Welcome to episode 16 of Advocacy in Court. In this episode, we're looking at three topics. The first is nailing it in re-examination. The second is the need for pre-practiced patterns when leave is required from the court for some forms of questioning. And the third is how to make your closing arguments matter. Turning then to re-examination. Remember that re-examination is limited to matters that arise from your opponent's cross-examination. You cannot keep material in reserve and not use it in chief in the hope that you can then use it in re-examination. That is not permitted. Another often overlooked aspect of re-examination is that an advocate has no right to have an interview with a witness between the end of the cross-examination of that witness by their opponent and the start of the re-examination. Of course, you may ask the judicial officer if you may have time for such an interview, but it is discretionary and non-reviewable. Of course, if your opponent foolishly finishes their cross-examination of your witness immediately before a break, such as morning tea, the lunch break, or at the end of the day, then you are free to have as long an interview as you can prior to starting any re-examination. Given the likely lack of any such opportunity, especially if your opponent is experienced, then you need to have a way worked out with the witness whereby they can indicate to you while they are being cross-examined that a particular topic can be safely taken up in re-examination. That is why, at the end of the previous episode dealing with cross-examination, I recommend that you rehearse with your witness to say, as a tag to some answers during cross-examination, would you like me to explain? This is a message to you that you can take up the topic with safety in re-examination. That doesn't mean you have to take it up. A decision as to whether to take up any point in re-examination is guided by your assessment of how your case is going and how any such re-examination would fit into your case theory. In particular, will re-examination on a point or points make your case stronger or not? Apart from that, the guidelines for examination-in-chief apply again in re-examination. Make clear what you're talking about, use open questions, use short questions, listen and absorb everything in the witness's answer, and use that to help formulate your next question. Our second topic, that of where pre-practiced patterns are useful, takes up that 
sometimes you need the permission of a trial judge before you can ask questions about a particular topic. Examples are raising the credibility of a witness or questions about the character or bad character of a witness and also if you are seeking to have a witness declared as adverse, unfavourable, hostile, the term depending on where you practice. In each of those cases, the particular statute or court guidelines will set out the criteria that you need to satisfy before the court can give leave. Rather than looking unprepared in the courtroom, it is better that you have written out the particular formula that needs to be followed before a trial judge can give you leave. Turning now to closing argument. We start by reminding ourselves of why we're making a closing argument. The answer is that we are reminding our audience, the fact finders, of where we hope they have already arrived, or if they're still mulling over where they should be, that they will follow our suggestion rather than that of our opponents. Sadly, we know next to nothing about what is an effective closing argument and what isn't. When I say we know next to nothing, there's a lot written about what is supposed to work, but very little empirical evidence to back any of it up. For that reason, I will limit my remarks here to comments that I hope will guide you as you decide what you want to do. First, what's the attention span of your audience? If you know that an audience begins to drift after 20 minutes, what is the use of a closing address that goes for half an hour? Also related to attention span is, should your closing address be only spoken or written or a mixture of the two? What will work best? with your audience. Then there is the point about promises. Early on in this series, I talked about opening addresses and the fact that an opening address is effectively a promise or promises to the audience as to what you're planning to deliver. Hence, when you come to your closing address, it's important to consider whether you have or have not fulfilled each and all of the promises that you made. If you have, point out that you've delivered on the promise. If you haven't, for some reason or other, then you need to consider very carefully how are you going to explain that failure, not merely as to the content of your explanation, but as to where you are going to put it during your closing argument. 
my suggestion is is that you wouldn't put it at the beginning or the end because you want to start well and finish well, but where you put it in between those two points needs some careful thought. Also needing some thought by you is how are you going to manage the mix of comments about the applicable law, the content of the evidence that was given in this case, and the credibility of the various witnesses who gave that evidence. It is here that the attention that I hope you paid during your examination in chief and cross-examination to filling out the detail of events by taking yourself into the situation which the witness has been describing, that that detail will now pay dividends. The reason that it can pay dividends is, is that because of your attention to detail, you are now able in your closing to be very specific as to why your side's version of events, be that through your cross-examination of the opponents or your witnesses' telling of the story or both, is more believable than that of the opposing story. As much as you can, you want to look for some form of feedback from your target audience during your closing argument, be that a group of jurors or a judicial officer. You need to take your time. One of the inherent problems with a closing address is that you may do it so smoothly that the audience, particularly lay audience, will say at the end, Oh, that was very nicely done, but sadly, not remember any of the points that you made. Where the closing is made to a judicial officer, there are different judicial styles, some of which are to engage with the advocate, but others prefer to give absolutely nothing away about what they're thinking. This is a dangerous situation for you to be in, and you may recall that early in this episode series when looking at causes of possible stress, I mentioned the need to always end closings in Judge Alone Matters with a very specific uh, comment to the judicial officer as to whether you had covered everything that they were expecting you to cover about the case that they have just heard. In the next episode, episode 17, we'll look at how you handle the expert witness. Bye for now.